Hello, my name is Dustin Husseini and this is the Digital Education Practices Podcast. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Minnery, who's going to talk to us about transitioning from in-person to virtual workshops without much notice. Jonathan's a Senior Research Associate at the Lancaster Environment Centre. He's a social scientist who focuses on food systems and plant biotechnology. Uh, hi, Dustin. Thanks for having me. So tell us about your transitioning from in-person to virtual workshops. Tell us about that experience. Well, it's been uh, quite a learning curve. Um, we'd initially planned a series of workshops in Brussels in early March, uh, which unfortunately had to be cancelled because of the uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Um, we're very happy we made that decision at the time. It looked like it could go either way. Um, and unfortunately for uh, for the planet, perhaps, uh, it's gone the way it has. Um, but that, for us, that meant we had to shift to uh, online workshops in order to still meet our, our grant agreement and the uh, the research outputs that we'd, we'd said we, we would fulfill. Um, the workshops were... Uh, intended to be with various stakeholders around plant breeding. So the project we're on right now, Crop Booster, is all about finding the best ways to future-proof European crops so we can deal with climate change, a growing global population, and resource depletion, and issues around human health, that kind of thing. Um, So the the stakeholders were plant breeders, NGOs, policymakers, agri-food supply chain folks, consumer groups, we wanted about 12 people per workshop, and we had three planned in, in Brussels, with more coming potentially uh, in April. Our group had come up with 15 options for improving crops. An example of those is improving photosynthesis or improving the vitamin and nutritional content of crops. Um, and they could be divided, and this is quite important, into three different categories. We had five options in each. We had sustainability options, yield options, and nutrition options. And for each of those, we plan to divide our workshops into, into three groups, into three smaller focus groups. And each group would cycle between those three tables, sustainability options, yield options, and nutrition, um, in a kind of world cafe style arrangement. Uh, we were going to record that by dictaphone. And just to kind of um, let the audience know, so your work is situated within the Lancaster Environment Centre, isn't it? It is. And um, my group is is made up of lots of people focusing on various aspects of sustainability. So we have, uh, my, I'm a social scientist. I focus primarily on qualitative data, um, but we have biologists, we have engineers. So it's, it's, it's pretty broad. Okay, thank you. Uh, so what did yeah go ahead sorry (laughs) uh well one one little thing to add is that we had an activity at the end of each workshop where each group would also contribute to their own card so they would develop their own option we called this option card 16 where they would get a chance to tell us what was missing from the other options uh, and what they would want to see in any kind of future proofing scenario uh, for the future of european agriculture so these kind of like um post-it notes sticky notes uh, it was a little bit like that, yeah. So um, one of our, uh, the thing with um, the physical in-person workshops is these option cards were all printed out and people could handle them, they could pass them around and they could talk about the five that they had in front of them before they moved on to the next table. And that became the most important issue we wanted to carry over to the virtual workshops. How were people going to interact with these option cards? Okay. And obviously, since you had, you couldn't do that in person, what, what did you decide to do in that case? We wanted to find a kind of, modifiable whiteboard where we could put the option cards we had as image files on the whiteboard and people could navigate it and then look at whichever option card we were focusing on at that moment. We decided to use Microsoft Teams 
we'd been using it since the lockdown. Um, and we'd been using it before, actually, and it had been very reliable up until that point. We were familiar with using it. And importantly, you can audio and video record with it. For the whiteboard, we used uh, Mural, which is an, uh, an online uh, browser-based app. It's like a big canvas. You can drop on images. You can drop on linking components, post-it notes, that kind of thing. So that became a very good tool for us to reimagine, if you like, how the workshops would look to the participant. And this has thrown up quite a lot of issues about what the participant would be seeing, what we would be seeing. Would we all be looking at the same thing and talking about it? Do we need to handhold? And, and to what extent do we need to handhold uh, as we move, move around the mural? And how would we do Option Card 16 activity as well? Okay, that sounds really interesting. So, I mean, how did it go in the end? This you, So you were doing face-to-face workshops you needed to replicate that somehow digitally. And so you decided to look at Mural, uh, which provided this kind of online workshop solution. Uh, Mural is is really good um, for what we wanted it to do. We needed a blend of being able to control how people move through the World Cafe style workshop. Um, and Mural gives, that, gives you that control. You can summon people to whatever the moderator is looking at. So you know people are going to be looking at the same thing. We also provide them with a link at the start of the workshop so they can freely move around the board if they want to. We, we share our screen as a moderator so that people, broadly speaking, know where we are as well. So it gives us that level of control, but it also means that people won't just start floating in space and won't know where we are at any one time. For Option Card 16, it provides a nice way of, uh, you can add post-it notes, you can add doodles and drawings as the moderator. So it allows you to keep track of the conversation as people are thinking of things that they might want on this Option Card 16 activity. Um, so that's that's worked quite well. In our pilots, I found that people intuitively understand what's going on. They're happy to um, move through the workshop with us, and they seem to know what we're, what we're kind of asking of them um, as we move through. Some things are more difficult, and some things you don't really, I think you, you actually do lose as a net loss from moving to the virtual workshops. Okay, and before we go into further depth, um, who's the audience? So who are the kind of the learners or the colleagues that are on the other end of this experience? Yeah, so obviously this isn't teaching in a, tra- in a traditional sense, but I think there are lots of moments of, 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 of um, pedagogical concern in the workshops because we are asking our participants who are plant breeders, so they're, they're scientists, they're biologists in some cases, they're consumer representatives, in other cases, um, they're NGOs, policymakers, these kinds of people. Uh, we do we are asking them to read these option cards, which do contain scientific information that we've tried to distill into into lay language. So improving the vitamin or mineral content comes with an example. If that's the option we're talking about, it comes with an example of of a case where we've managed to improve the vitamin or mineral content of a crop. Um, so that's the the moment of learning for certain people. And uh, for us, that was it was important to make sure that those people could understand what was written on the option card and, and distill that information in quite a quick way. They have to do five uh, in a row, and then we have a discussion about them. And then again, this is all kind of similar to a workshop where it's they're interacting with other people online in this virtual kind of um, in this virtual kind of digital whiteboard space. Is that right? That's right. And ideally, the different well, the difference between a focus group and an interview. In an interview, you it's a, it's a one-on-one exchange, but in a focus group, uh, and, and depending on your method, you as the moderator really want your participants to be having the conversation, and you yourself want to be as involved 
as little as possible. But the transition to online uh, virtual workshops really changes that dynamic because people don't have the body language. They don't have the cues when to jump in, when to interject. And I think that's become, that's the difficulty of moving online. The moderator has to take a greater role in managing the conversation, in instructing someone to interject, which isn't very natural, but but it's about managing turn-taking and things like that. And I think that's something that you you do lose in moving to a virtual workshop and you have to try and retain somehow with better moderation. Um, people don't necessarily, they won't know each other. So you have to try and make sure they're comfortable uh, having a having a discussion online, which I think is slightly more unnatural than anything most of us have been used to until now. Okay. And just to kind of recap and just help us imagine a bit more of the audience, especially who's listening. So what's kind of taking place during this session? How are they getting on to Mural? Are they doing anything else at the same time, such as uh, on a webinar or a live session? What are they doing? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Uh, we invite them to a Teams meeting. They join the Teams meeting. We explain the project and what we're trying to get out of the project, what kinds of of data we're collecting from them. We explain that they're being record uh, that they'll that the session is being recorded, um, and they have to provide us with consent for that as well. So we direct them to a consent form. Um, we will then, once they've filled that in, start sharing our screen on the Teams meeting, and we'll go to the mural. We will also, in the chat window, provide a link to the mural so that people can follow it that way. If they want to, they can actually access it from their phone. I think that on the phone, it's a little bit harder to use because the mural is sizable, but it can be done that way. Then work through each of the, the categories that we have of options. So we have sustainability, yield, and nutrition, and they're in columns with an image of each option card within that column. And we move we move down the column basically. So you can either do that by using the, the forwards and backwards keys on the keyboard, or you can literally drag the whole mural canvas with the mouse to that point. And then we ask them to read the card that we're focusing on in that in that particular instance. And once we've done the first the five of that category, we we have a discussion about what they think is the best option for improving crops uh, and why and what impacts that might have. Uh, and then we ask about the their least good option. So the one they think is the, the least important. And at that moment, we have an opportunity to ask whether any participants agree or disagree with other participants in the hopes of of having a fruitful exchange about why people think one thing is important and why people think another thing is less important with a view to always trying to understand what the impacts might be. Uh, our, our role in this project is to really look at the downstream impacts of changing crops in any... Okay, so actually it sounds like through using these two tools, so there's Microsoft Teams and yeah. then there's Mural, you're able to actually more or less replicate what you would do in a workshop. Almost, is that why I'm almost hearing? completely, almost completely. I do think that moving online has presented challenges around, as I said, how people have a discussion because um, it's it's a little less natural. But in in all of the respects, this seems to be quite quite good. I think we've 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 made pretty good decisions, but a lot of decisions have had to be made again about handholding, about what participants are seeing, about the protocol, how we run through the. Um, how we run through the, the workshop itself, that's been quite challenging and it's thrown up at every stage, new pedagogical considerations, new learning opportunities. So it, it's been interesting and challenging, but I think we're, uh, at the end of it, I think we have a, a workable, decent way of generating the data we need. I think in future we could revisit the whole approach and, and see if there would have been a better way to do things. 
completely. We've been, in a way, trapped by our previous methodology, which we're trying to recreate. But if you were doing this online from scratch, maybe you could come up with a completely different methodology. Okay, yes. So actually, it's about maybe part of it would be about, you know, obviously, this is emergency online teaching. So there's been a rapid shift. But longer term, more strategic, it's more about well, what do we want to see digital education as being as far as perhaps behaviors, right? Exactly, exactly. Rather than just replicating what we do in person online. Right, I think so. I think because we we had a methodology in place that we were happy with, uh, you know, I, I was actually on, I was about to get on the, the bus. I was going to take a, a bus to uh, the Low Countries. I was about to get on the bus when we pulled the plug on the physical workshops. So that's how close we came to running them. So I think we've been quite attached to the methodology we had. We knew it worked quite well based on the pilot and we were we were looking forward to doing it in person. So we've tried to keep that method, but there's no reason to say that because of the move online, we couldn't have changed a lot more. And if I understand before our conversation today that we're having now, uh, one of your sessions is currently running, isn't it? It's running as we record this, yes. So as we will, record yeah, this. The, one of the um, so this is the the actual workshops, uh, the non-pilot workshops. Yeah, it's it's currently going on. So it will be interesting to see if uh, everything I've talked about has actually come off and is working. No, it'd be good to hear about that later on. I do want to touch on a couple of things before we kind of wrap up, but. One thing people will always be worried about, especially when you're doing things online and recording, is consent. So can you just talk us through the process of getting consent from students or people who are listening? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a very good question. What we decided to do is create a survey in Qualtrics with, a, with one answer only to, to six or seven points. So they would have to provide their name and then a signature at the end. And in between that, would we would have uh, the six or seven questions, I can't remember how many, that we have on our, our physical consent form, which is something like, I understand that how my data will be used. I've had a chance to read the participant information sheet. And that's something we've sent out separately. Um, I understand that this... Uh, conversation will be recorded, but that I will be kept anonymous, essentially, um, and my data separate from my my identity, those kinds of things. And people have to click the I agree button to move on. And once we've collected the appropriate number of forms, we can actually commence with the workshop. That's how we've approached consent. But I appreciate that's going to be a bit more of an issue now. And just curious, would you be willing to share like a generalized consent form that maybe we could put on the website and just let people have? Yeah, I don't think that will be a, a problem at all. Okay. I guess the other question is more about reflection. Um, what do you think is one of the key takeaways for people out there who might want to do workshops? So they've been faced with this face-to-face. -face. They usually do it that way, but they have to go online. What, what's, what are some, just to kind of sum up, key takeaways you'd give to them that you've learned? I think that it has to be viewed as an opportunity because this the move to online maybe and, and virtual workshops you know if, if it works that will provide a lot more opportunity to do essentially a lot more research and there'll be less cost involved people traveling potentially which will have benefits uh, I know the academic community is, is pretty uh, jet setty so that will have benefits in terms of you know our carbon emissions from universities all kinds of things so there are opportunities but I, I would say based on our experience that it requires, it's an altogether more challenging endeavor. It requires more thought, not less, to actually shift things online. So whilst I think there are opportunities, and I think, you know, 10 years, this will be normal. I think right now that moving to online and, and perhaps listeners and, and yourself, Dustin, have experienced this, it's more challenging doing digital education at this stage 
you know, in, in human society, it's not less challenging. It throws up more problems, if anything, than uh, in-person workshops did because we're so used to doing things in person. That's how most of us, most of us who are suppose, above a certain age have done things all our lives. So that's the natural way to do things. Yeah. And, and now we're being asked to, to change it. And, uh, you know, maybe the next generation won't, won't blink having to do any of these things. But, but for us who, who learned one way, it's, it's quite a challenge. But it, it does sound like the way you've done it, you've still managed to keep the human side of things because it seems like they're still interacting with each other in a meaningful, tactile way. They can see each other, they can hear each other and move, well, read and move around bits of card, I guess, effectively. Uh, essentially, yes. Um, I know uh, one of my colleagues is pretty keen to actually take things in the future into a more, even more uh, virtual reality kind of space. So, so he would like to use uh, something like Minecraft and have oh, wow. yeah, and have people <laughs> embedded in a in a in a kind of a virtual space, a physical virtual space, if you like, that they can move around and interact uh, in that kind of a way. And that might be the next that might be the next big thing in research. You know. Okay, that sounds really cool. Well, thanks very much for joining us today. Do you have any other thoughts to add before we go? Not really. Just to say that this, uh, you know, things look like. I think that the 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 current pandemic has really changed our approach to, uh, it's changed a lot of things and, and where we're going to be based in the future and how we're going to work. I know from my personal experience that I think I'll be working from home quite a bit more. I was traveling back and forth, up and down most of England each weekend uh, because my partner lives quite far away from Lancaster. So for me, wow. this is really, um, this has meant I can be at home more. And I think I'd like to be able to do that more in future. And I don't think I'm the only person who's realized that. So um, <laughs> I think that, you know, moving to online research is probably going to become quite important. And as I already see, uh, I already see research going on about how to do research online. Um, mm, okay. Yeah. So if you have any links, we can also share those, but I agree with you. Um, I think a lot of people are appreciating working from home where they can, um, being closer to home, their families, you know, home cooked meals, if you cook well. <laughs> yeah. I'm making, I'm making a lot um, of bread. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's a lot of stew, but yeah, sometimes cake and cookies as well. But okay, well, it's been great to hear uh, your kind of experience and we hope to hear from you and your team soon because it sounds like after today, that session, we could maybe get another insight on how things went, maybe even from your students if they're willing to participate. Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you.